Well, our videos before the messages are um, showing us some near-death experiences, some people who cheated death uh, and were just kind of maybe lucky in that. Um, and I guess if they hadn't cheated death, we wouldn't have shown the video, right? But, uh, we, but we are showing those videos and seeing people cheat death. Have you ever cheated death? I remember one time when I was in college, just shortly before Jill and I were married, so it's been a little over 40 years ago, I was driving from Southern California back to college in Northern California, and Jill had had a bridal shower, so the back of my car was filled with all sorts of stuff that I was taking up to uh, our apartment in Northern California, and I had with me two other people, and so the three of us are crammed into the front seat of this 1965 Plymouth Fury. Yeah, it was a sweet car, and um, not really, but anyway. Um, but we're crammed in there, and we're going down the freeway in California, and we're doing 75 miles an hour, maybe 80, and I had a blowout. I'm in the fast lane of the uh, freeway and have a blowout, and, and of course what I think is i got to get this to the side of the road, so I just kind of whip the wheel to the right to get to the end of uh, the side of the road, and that's when my passengers screamed, and both of them kind of ducked and dove onto the floorboard of the car, and when I looked at my rearview mirror, I could read very clearly the word Mac. That's all I could see, the word Mac from the grill of the Mac truck that was really, really, really close to me. And I still don't know how I escaped death or cheated death that time, but we did. I remember when my sister was about six years old, maybe five, and that would have made me uh, seven or eight, and I sat her down and I very lovingly explained to her that she wasn't really my sister. That we had just been pretending that she was, that actually my parents found her in a trash can one day. And uh, they felt sorry for her, not just because she was in a trash can, but because she was really, really ugly. And, and they brought her out of the trash can and had been pretending that she was my sister. And I apparently did it so well that she burst into tears and ran to my mom. And when my mom heard about that, that may have been the closest I came to being killed. <laughs> In this series, though, we've been talking not about people who almost died. We've been talking about people who really did die and then were brought back to life by the power of Jesus. One time I was trying to prepare a funeral message and I wanted to uh, find a new passage to use at funerals. And so I decided that I would search and look for what Jesus said at funerals. I thought it might be a good funeral message to find out what Jesus said at funerals and use that, and I didn't find a passage that talked about that. Now, I'm sure that Jesus attended funerals. I'm sure he said some things at funerals, but every passage in Scripture that talks about Jesus is at a funeral, he ends the funeral. He raises the person back from the dead. So far, we've talked about Jesus ending a funeral just before it arrived at the cemetery, 
and uh, to bury the body. And then we've talked about Jesus ending a funeral even before it began, just a few hours after the little girl had died, bringing her back to life. And today and next week, we're going to talk about Jesus raising people back to life after they had been buried, after they had been buried long enough that their bodies would have started to decay. And by looking at today's story and the resurrections that we'll look at next weekend, I hope you will see that God can still work in your life, even in that area that you've given up for dead, even in that area that you gave up on seeing fixed months or even years ago. Today, we will look at the resurrection that next to Jesus' resurrection is probably the most famous one in the Bible. It's the resurrection of Jesus' good friend Lazarus. And you will find it in your Bible or on your device in John chapter 11. Let me begin reading there. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in the town of Bethany where Mary and her sister Martha lived. So Mary and Martha sent someone to tell Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard this, he said... This sickness will not end in death. It is for the glory of God to bring glory to the Son of God. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, as I said, Lazarus was one of Jesus' friends. And we don't know if Jesus had many friends like that but we do know that he had three Mary and Martha and Lazarus they were the kind of friends who invited him to dinner and before they knew it they'd been sitting at the table for hours talking and laughing and telling stories they were the friends that Jesus stayed with every time that he was on his way to Jerusalem in fact they would end up being the last people other than Jesus' disciples that Jesus will see before that pivotal moment when he enters Jerusalem during that last week of his life on the day that we celebrate today, Palm Sunday. Lazarus was a true friend. And Jesus hears that he's very, very sick, but Jesus doesn't go to see him right away. He waits two days. And I'm sure Mary and Martha wanted him there. I mean, they're hoping that Jesus will come and heal Lazarus and give comfort and give health. But Jesus waits two days to even leave for his journey. Now, have you ever needed Jesus and you felt like he just didn't show up right away? Yeah, me too. Me too. That's what we're going to talk about today. How do you deal with it when you need God and it seems like he's far away? Or you need God and it seems like he's waiting and not showing up when you need him. So Jesus waits two full days and then he says to his followers, let's go back to Judea. Now his followers are pretty practical. And his followers say, but wait a minute, Jesus, it's not safe for you to do that. The last time you were there, they tried to kill you. And if you go again, they're going to try to kill you. And so Jesus has a conversation with them about that. And then he says this, start in the end of verse 11. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him. The followers said, but Lord, if he's only asleep, he will be all right. 
And Jesus meant that Lazarus was dead, but his followers thought that he meant Lazarus was really sleeping. So then Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him now. So Jesus has waited two days, and then he says, let's go see Lazarus. But here's the thing. Jesus knows that Lazarus is already dead. He knows that he's already dead. And he makes that clear to his followers. But the passage reminds us of two truths. Here's the first one. God may have a purpose in his delay. He may have a purpose in his delay. Now, when I'm the one waiting, I hate this truth, but it's a truth nonetheless. God may have reasons for delaying when we're expecting him to show up and fix things in our lives. In this case, he says to his closest followers, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there because now instead of, uh, I'm, because going now instead of going earlier means that you are going to be helped in your belief. It's going to help you believe. Now, maybe healing, just taking a sick person and making them well, maybe that had become so commonplace for the followers of Jesus that they hardly even noticed anymore. That that had become somewhat ho-hum. Maybe they needed a bigger miracle. I'm not sure why, but being far away from Mary and Martha and Lazarus at their time of need fit God's purpose. It fit God's purpose. And maybe that's true for you too. Maybe that area where you need God to show up, maybe he has a purpose in making you wait, a purpose that you might not see, that you might not understand until later. But there's a second truth. It will still feel like he is far away during the delay. Oh, it may be that God has a purpose in the delay, but it will still feel like he is far away during the delay. Even when God has a purpose, when you're there with a need, when you're waiting for him, when you're praying for him to work and to move and to help, it will seem like he's miles and miles away. I know that because I've lived that. I've lived in that situation just like some of you. And it seems that that's exactly how Mary and Martha feel during this time, during those days when Jesus wasn't there. So what do you do when you're waiting for God to show up and he seems to be waiting or delaying helping you? Well, in the time that we have left, let me walk you through the events from the life of Jesus and Lazarus and let me point out some actions that will help you when God seems far away. First, when God seems far away, trust his timing. Trust his timing. Start with verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he learned that Lazarus had already been dead and in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you anything you ask. Jesus said, your brother will rise and live again. 
Martha answered, I know that he will rise and live again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me um, will never die. I'm sorry, those who believe it. Those who believe in me will have life even if they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? Martha answered, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. So when Martha goes out to meet Jesus, the first thing she says is, Jesus, if you had been here, he would not have died. It seems like maybe it was at least a little bit of a rebuke. It seems like she was saying, why did you wait so long? But then Jesus and Martha have this theological discussion about resurrection. Jesus said, your brother will rise and live again. And Martha says, well, I know on the last day at the resurrection that he will rise again. And then Jesus says, Martha... I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Basically, he says, you don't have to wait for the last day because I'm here and I'm the resurrection. And then he says, Martha, do you believe that? And Martha declares her faith. She boldly declares that she believes in Jesus. But if you read on in the story, you'll find out what happens next, that Martha runs back to the house to get her sister, and she tells her sister that Jesus is there, and Mary comes running and falls at the feet of Jesus. Now, it's really interesting. If you do a study of Lazarus's sister, Mary, you will find that every time we see her in the pages of Scripture, she's at the feet of Jesus. You might remember there was the time when Jesus was in their house, and he was teaching and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening, and Martha came and said, Jesus, tell my sister to come help me in the kitchen. And this time she runs to Jesus and she falls at his feet. And then there's going to be a time just a chapter or two later where Jesus is reclining there and Mary comes and bathes his feet with expensive perfume. So Mary is always at the feet of Jesus. And so this day she goes to Jesus and look what she says. But Mary went to the place where Jesus was and when she saw him she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, there's that simple rebuke. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Now, to really understand this, it might be important to kind of think through this schedule a little bit. The verses said, Lazarus has been dead and in the tomb for four days. It seems that Jesus was at least a day's travel away from Bethany where Lazarus lives. And so it took the people who were carrying the message to Jesus that Lazarus was sick at least a day to get to Jesus. And then Jesus waits two days... And then he starts his journey and goes back, and that's going to take at least a day. What this means is that Lazarus died shortly after the messengers left to go tell Jesus that he was sick. He died just after the messengers had already left to tell Jesus that he was sick. And remember that Jesus knew that he had died before he left to go see him. 
So Jesus would not have been there before he died no matter what. But still, both sisters basically said, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Does that seem unfair? Does that seem unfair? Well, it kind of is. But there's something significant about these verses telling us that Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. You see, the common ancient belief held that the spirit of the dead person remained with the body for three days. But after the fourth day, the spirit was long departed. In other words, Mary and Martha thought that if Jesus had shown up within those three days, that Lazarus' spirit would still have been with him and Jesus could have done something. But since it had been longer than that, they knew and everyone else knew that Lazarus was really, really dead. That he was really dead. Isn't it interesting? They probably believed that Jesus had the power to raise Lazarus during those three days, but they thought he had waited too long and that now it couldn't be fixed. Does that sound familiar? I'm guessing you have some situation that you think time has expired on God being able to fix it. You can explain very logically why it's just too late, why God waited too long. But one action that we can take when God seems far away is to trust his timing. To trust his timing, to assume that he knows what we need, that he knows when we need it. So trust his timing. Second, when God seems far away, remember that he cares. Remember that he cares. Start with verse 33. When Jesus saw Mary crying and the Jews who had came with her also crying, he was upset and he was deeply troubled. He asked, where did you bury him? Come and see, Lord, they said. Jesus cried. So the Jews said, see how much he loved him. Some of you know that verse 35 is literally the shortest verse in all of the Bible. It simply says, Jesus cried. But let's think about that. Why is Jesus crying? Why is he crying? I mean, he knows he's about to do a miracle that will raise Lazarus back to life. So why is he crying? All sorts of Bible scholars and theologians have all sorts of theories on this. One of the theories that some of them have is that Jesus was crying not tears of grief, but tears of frustration. See, he was really frustrated that all of these people, Mary and Martha and all of these people, don't believe in his power. That, and those that believe this think that... Um, Jesus is frustrated and sad because even the people closest to him don't understand his power or his, uh, don't know what he can do. Now, that's an interesting theory. I don't believe it. That's not what I think at all, not in any way, shape, or form. I think he was crying because they were grieving. They were hurting. He sees that and he cares about them. He cares about them. 
in that moment. He knew how heartbroken they were. And he was crying because he cared about their pain and their grief. Even though he knew he was going to take away that pain and grief in just a few minutes, he was crying because of their pain and grief. And that's important because it means when you're hurting or you're worried or you're depressed or you're lonely or you're afraid, he sees that and he cares about you. Even when he seems far away, he cares about you. And he may not fix it instantaneously, but when God seems far away, remember that he cares. Third, when God seems far away, maintain your faith. Maintain your faith. So some of the people standing there see Jesus cry and they say, look at how much he loves Lazarus. Look at how much he loves him. The others, some others in the crowd went a different direction with it. Start with verse 37. But some of them said, if Jesus opened the eyes of the blind man, why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? Again, feeling very upset, Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave with a large stone covering the entrance. And Jesus said, move the stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man said, but Lord, it has been four days since he died there will be a bad smell. Then Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So first, some in the crowd use Jesus' tears to point out his failure. Now it could have been people who really believed in him, but when they saw Lazarus die, that kind of shook their faith. And they, they were a little uh, doubtful, they weren't sure about what to believe. But it also could have just been critics in the crowd. Both groups are still around us today. I mean, when high-profile Christ followers or a church or a Christian organization do criminal things or hurtful things or really terrible things, it shakes the faith of some people who truly believed in Jesus. And they aren't quite sure what to do with Jesus after that. It, but it also draws out some people who never really believed and they just like to be negative. They like to be critical but there's another person here that day whose faith is faltering. Martha is struggling here. Remember, she expressed faith in Jesus in a big way. She had said things like, I know even now that God will do whatever you ask him to do. And when Jesus asked her if she believed, she said, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah. You're the rescuer that God promised to send to us. And you are here in the world as God's rescuer. She had expressed faith in Jesus. But when Jesus says, move that stone out of the way, Martha says, it's been four days. There's going to be a bad smell. By the way, if you look at one of the older translations, it says it really, really well. Martha said, he stinketh. Doesn't that sound holy? He stinketh. Some of you can remember that later with your kids. Um, if you want to use biblical language, he stinketh. Anyway, so she says there's going to be a bad smell. Suddenly she's struggling with her faith. So Jesus says, Martha, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? He reminded her. He has to remind her. He 
has to repeat himself with Martha. Now, here's a question that I came up with while I was working through this passage. How often do we make Jesus repeat himself? How often do we make Jesus repeat himself? How often does he have to remind us that we are valuable to him? How often does he have to remind us that we are loved by him? How many times does he have to repeat himself about being faithful and trustworthy in the area of giving? How many times does he have to repeat himself when he's trying to get us to serve him or to overcome a sin habit or to simply tell the truth? How often are we making Jesus repeat himself? So when God seems far away, we need to really work to maintain our faith, to really work to keep believing and to trust in him. We need to move on. When God seems far away, listen for his voice. When he seems far away, listen for his voice. Look at verse 41. So they moved the stone away from the entrance. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said these things because of the people here around me. I want them to believe that you sent me. After Jesus said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Jesus calls to him. He calls on his friend Lazarus to come out of the tomb, to take some steps, to walk, even with his body wrapped in strips of cloth. Lazarus, come out of your tomb. Some of you might know how redemptive such a call can be because at some point or another, we have all known what it's like to feel like we're living in a tomb cold walls, no light, tied up in grave clothes or whatever binds us, needing to hear that word, Lazarus, come out. And it's really significant because not only is Lazarus the name of Jesus's true friend, Lazarus is also a name that's translated to mean God has helped. God has helped. Imagine that. God has helped. Those are words that at some point you'll need to hear, that I'll need to hear too. I I mean, maybe you're here today grieving and struggling to imagine what new life emerges after death or what new life emerges after divorce. God can help you. Maybe you feel buried, suffocating under some problem or situation that just seems hopeless. God will help. Or maybe there's something trapping you or threatening to keep you from fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. God is helping you too. You see, when Jesus calls the name Lazarus, he was calling the name of all of the people who have ever needed him to help that have ever needed a God who helps. He was calling to all of those people that are on our prayer list every week, to all of those who have lost a loved one or those who are struggling with an illness or with cancer. He was calling to those who are searching for a job or searching just for some peace. And if you've ever felt like you needed God's help, 
When Jesus calls out Lazarus, he was calling your name too. So even when it seems like he's far away, listen for his voice. And when you hear it, move towards him. Move toward him. Look at verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with pieces of cloth and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take the cloth off of him and let him go. I read this week the story of an old retired minister named Dr. Roberts who uh, told in a message uh, about this passage and he told about how he talked about this passage in a children's sermon. Now, some of you are old enough to remember children's sermons. That was when pastors would call up all the kids in the room onto the stage and he would have a, a brief message for the kids that were present in the room. And so Dr. Roberts was doing a children's message and he wanted the kids to understand about Lazarus. He wanted them to understand about this God who helps. And so during the children's sermon, he gathered them all around and he told them the story about Lazarus and he imagined with them what it must have been like for Lazarus to wake up in the tomb and still be tied up in his grave clothes. He couldn't see and he couldn't move. And to illustrate, Dr. Roberts had one of the children stand up and wrap him in paper towels from head to toe. And he said, how is he going to move? He can't walk, he can't run. And the kids yelled out, he has to hop. And that's right, Dr. Roberts said. And then he began to teach the kids something he called the Lazarus hop. He had them all stand up, and then the organist played some of the theme from the Adams family. But instead of snapping their fingers, they hopped. Dun -da, da da hop, hop, dun -da, da da hop, hop, you, you understand. And uh, this went on for a long time, the story said. And while the auditorium was filled with laughter and with these hopping kids, it just kept going on and plenty of adults joined in too. And then the music stopped abruptly and Dr. Roberts crouched down to get to the kids' level and very quietly in a soft voice he said, come here children, there will be times in your life when you feel bound up, when you feel tied up. And you can't see where you're going. And maybe you can't even move. And I want you to remember when you're in that time and in that situation. To listen for the voices that you trust. And I want you to move towards them. Whatever it takes. Even if all you can do is hop. He was right, you know. There's going to be times in your life when you just feel all tied up. You don't feel like you can even move when you don't feel like you can see the road forward. And at those times, we just need to listen for his voice. And when we hear it, we need to move toward him. And can I tell you that sometimes when he speaks... He will speak through other voices that are around you, voices that you trust. So when God seems far away, 
you need to listen for his voice and you need to move toward it. And then finally, experience his freedom. Experience his freedom. Look again at what Jesus said at the end of verse 44. Jesus said to them, take the cloth off of him and let him go. I'm sure people were overwhelmed by this miracle. I I think the crowd was standing there with their mouth open, uh, not believing what they had just seen. This guy who had been dead for four days hopped out of this grave. And they're just standing there not knowing what to do. They're standing there staring. And Jesus says, well, what are you waiting for? Take those death rags off of him. Take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. Set that poor man free. Here's an important truth. Jesus will often use his people to speak into your life and to help you find freedom. Jesus will often use his people to speak into your life and help you find freedom. Sometimes we wonder where God is in our time of need, why he seems so far away, and yet he has surrounded us with people, people who love him and people who love us, people at church, people in our growth group, people in our family who care about us and are helping us. And we might not even recognize that God has shown up through them. He's using their words to speak to us, their hands to minister to us. Maybe God isn't as far away as it feels. Maybe he is as close as the person next to you, the people who are uh, he's placed in your life to encourage you and to love you and to speak truth to you. So as we come to the end of the message, I want to leave you with two questions to deal with today the first question is this who is he using in your life who is he using in your life who is in your life that God has placed there to help set you free or to give you strength or to give you comfort during difficult times are you paying attention to them are you leaning into them are you thanking them here's the second question who does he want you to help him set free who does he want you to help him set free who is he placed in your line of sight who is in your life that he wants to use you so that he can set them free there's someone in your line of sight that needs you they need you to give them comfort or maybe they need you to challenge them on something that they're doing that is taking them further away from God or Maybe they just need you to invite them to come to impact with you so that, they can, uh, so that they can find the peace and the help that you found in Jesus. Or maybe you need to be in a growth group or in a ministry team serving God so that he can use you to set some other people free. Don't miss the fact that God has placed people in your life both to help you and for you to help so that people can experience and discover his freedom. I hope today, if God feels far away from you, that some of this will help you to understand that he's not as far away as it seems. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, I admit that there's been many times when you've just seemed so far away, and so Father, Right now, I pray for people who have come here today just desperately wanting to connect with you. 
desperately wanting you to feel close to them again. Father, would you help them to trust your timing? Would you help them to remember that you care for them? Father, would you help them even in the midst of the struggle to hold on to their faith and maintain their faith? And then, Father, would you help each one of us to listen for your voice and to move toward it when we hear it? And, Father, we want your freedom. Father, thank you so much that you are a God that brings dead things to life. And so, Father, we invite you into those areas in our life that we've declared dead, areas that we've given up hope on, and we ask you, Father, that you will breathe life into us. Thank you that you are the God who helps. And, Father, we await to see what you will do in us and through us and through the people that you've placed in our life to represent you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.